Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. What is Must Love Self all about? It's about our bodies, our worth, and our voices. It is a movement, an attitude, it is a decision, it is a project, it is a journey, it is a life choice. Every week I get to interview a brave woman who may not be perfect, but is on the path and is willing to share their ugly and their beautiful. So today I have one of the most special humans in the entire world to me. Her name is Louise Gibbs, but everyone knows her as Lulu, and she is my grandmother. Lulu, welcome. Thank you. I wanted my grandmother on here for so many reasons. The first full episode was my mom, her daughter, and the three of us are this legacy in so many areas. All three of us are sober. She is, Lulu is a Holocaust survivor. She is the matriarch of our family and is the most giving person I've ever met in my entire life. She is a woman I want to be like, but she also has her own faults and struggles that she's going to share with us. And I learned so much about what beauty and what women are supposed to be like from Lulu. So Lulu, thank you for being here. I'm honored. Are you verklempt? I am verklempt. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. Okay. So, <laughs> so when I first asked you about must love self, you said that you worry and care about your family and the world and that that pretty much takes up all your time. Absolutely. Do you think that's one of the things that has always stood in, in between you and taking care of yourself? I never took care of myself. Yeah. I, I was always worried about taking care of my family. And that goes way back in the days when I was young. It was taking care of your parents, too. Right. Not right. just your children. Will you tell me why you said yes to this conversation? Because you asked me and I'd do anything for you. <laughs> I would like to share that she is not lying. This is the woman. So I forget how many years apart we are because I'm, four, I'm almost 42 and you're 87. And so right. whatever the math is there, she and I were in Toronto and it was freezing winter yucky out. We were staying at a hotel and I desperately wanted to go in the hotel swimming pool because I was like seven, right? And my mom wouldn't go. And Lulu said, of course, I'll go with you because she's Lulu. If you tell her I'd like to come over for dinner and she's like, oh, absolutely. She will make dinner as you're driving over there, even if she hasn't done it. So tell us what you did in order to go swimming. Do you remember what you did? I went to the front desk and I, or asked them, do they have bathing suits to rent? And they said, yes, we sell paper <laughs> bathing suits. So Lulu bought one. <laughs> it was blue and white stripes. Yes. And it fell, the, the stripes fell off as you were swimming with me. <laughs> yeah, the whole bathing suit melted. <laughs> I love you so much. Yeah, you know, that is Lulu. She will do anything on earth if you ask her to. I want to ask you about your age. So you're 87 years old. Tell me at 
growing up in your generation, are you of the generation that doesn't like to admit their age or were you always okay with your age? Never thought, now I hate it to admit What do you hate about it? Well, for some reason, I don't feel like I'm 87. That sounds like most of the time I don't walk around saying, hey, hey, I'm 87. Papa Harry, that's your grandpa, used to lie about his age and say he's much older. So people would say how great he looks. <laughs> Why do you but think I, that you didn't, that like women in general don't want to admit how old they are? Because women don't, I mean, we don't age as well as men. And that was the way the society treats us. Yeah. Do you know what's so interesting about what you just said? Why do we decide that we don't age as well? Because like, so we're not, you know, when we mean that, what you're really saying is we get saggy and wrinkly and not as firm, but somehow our society told us that that's not positive, right? Like that that's not a beautiful thing. We were told it's not beautiful to look older. And this society does everything possible. Facelift, diets, tortures, anything. And you've done, right? I you've did, I did, I did. And I never told my husband. You, if um, you remember let's this? just remember, let's just rewind. I'm eight years old. I have a sleepover party with seven or eight girls at my house. Up in my bedroom, without any warning, was this beautiful woman who was what 48 maybe yeah maybe 50 at the most in yeah, my 50. bed covered with gauze like a mummy whining and moaning as my mom took care of her and the party and she was probably high and all that's happening at once and your husband didn't know that you got a face no no, no he did not I never told him <laughs> Jonathan would literally murder me if I did if I didn't tell him I got a facelift well my uh little son almost murdered me because he said he turned into a doctor now he was right then mom you have no idea what you did you may have not woken up right because that can happen will yeah. you tell me and I don't want to put any shame on plastic surgery because I truly believe that must love self is about finding what makes us feel beautiful and strong and if that is changing yourself, but not for anyone else, for yourself. So I have no judgment about that. But will you tell me what was going on in your mind when you thought to yourself at that young age that you needed a facelift? You, you, you look in the mirror and you see your neck wrinkly and then you lift your cheeks kind of like that to see what it would look like. And it seems to be important at the time because the way you accept it, oh, you, it was always, oh, you look so young, you look so beautiful. I think that's what we were always looking for. That validation. It, that validation. And even like the movie stars would go around saying how they can get apart. Yes, the women, they, only women, yeah, not men. Women, yes. So that's how we felt about it. It's how you think about yourself. I had a girlfriend, and even when she was like in her 80s, she had a mirror that I would pay 
everything I owned for. Every time she looked in that mirror, it was, I look so good. People don't believe how old I am. Look at my shape. She saw herself beautiful. And that is worth, if we all had that mirror, if it went on the market, we'd all be millionaires. Because when I looked in that same mirror, I said, you not skinny enough, you're not beautiful enough, you should, you, here you have wrinkles, and it's how you look at yourself. If you're lucky, you have that mirror. If you're not, you spend your time wishing you were something you're not. Guess what? We do. Yeah. We all have the mirror. I have the mirror. I oh. worked really hard to clean my mirror so I could see it that way because it was covered with filth of society of what other people thought about me and now I look in that mirror and I'm like you rock and there's times when I look in the mirror that I don't like a certain part of what I see in the mirror and then I remind myself Carly that is useless information to you and it's not true it's it's just mean so what you just shared with us is that you're still having these mean words to yourself and what I want to remind you of and and let the listener know when we were growing up, you told us, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were an old lady? Remember? Fat, fat and cheerful and jolly. And you said you wanted to sit in rocking chairs and eat cookies and be and happy. And chocolate. And tell and me why you don't allow her to be there. I still, when I was younger, I saw my mom with her girlfriends. And the old ladies, the skinny ones, were mean little bitches. <laughs> and the chubby ones were jolly and laughing. And I made up my mind that I'm going to be a ch chubby, jolly old lady. And yet here I am, and I still not allow myself to become this chubby You still old restrict lady. food, right? You still Absolutely. Tell me Absolutely. why. I still like to look in the mirror and see something that people told me I should look like. Mm. And, and You know, I want to bring up something because you talked about your mom. From what I knew of your mom, and, and she was a very challenging woman, I didn't know her. But what you told me was she became, she was really beautiful. And she became really, really obese. Not like in a, a beautiful, sexy, like Zoftic way, in a and she was always sick. Did that play any role for you as a woman of how you didn't want to look? Oh, absolutely. My mom was kind of like a hypochondriac and she thought a European thinking that if you eat well and not a skinny person, you'll stay healthy. So she ate well, a little bit too well. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, she was obese and there was a lot of other issues that I made up my mind that I'll never be like her. I think most of us uh, try to improve our life, and I did. And I tried from how our parents did it. My, I tried to improve my children's life, my you, grandchildren. Guess life. what? That's you why. did. That's the only thing that mattered to me. I lived for that. That was the only important thing that you accomplish. And I never took credit for, and if people would tell me, 
you did well or this. I said, oh no, it wasn't me. It was God and the hell, never me. And I don't know. I wish people, the ones that say, oh, I did it, are not accepted. It's yeah, like it's judged. It's judged. It's judged. It's judged and bragging. You know? What if it was this middle ground, which is I couldn't have done it by myself, but I'm so glad I put the work in. Would you judge that if I said that? No. And I used to go around saying to my not just the yeah, the kids, the lucky, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Hmm. So don't that means don't take credit. It's the hard work that and yet you don't you, you say it but you don't you don't practice it you it's about really owning don't. it right i want to yeah. go um to the place that i take all the women i interview which is i want everyone to hear on a scale of one to ten where you are in these three areas one if you choose a one rating or low your answer is that you're really not kind to yourself and if you choose 10 your answer is you're awesome to yourself and you're pretty a great person what would you rate yourself currently at 87 in terms of how you view your body? How I do what? How you look at your body. Oh, no, not, not favorable. Oh, no. What I number between look... one and 10? Yeah. <laughs> well, what number is that? That's a one. <laughs> Are you mean to yourself about your body still? Not exactly. Like, mean. do you say things like you're fat or you should be skinnier? You should walk straighter. Yeah, you should have a better posture. So there's should... still a voice in your head oh, that's absolutely, not kind. Absolutely. Will you tell us when you were at the highest number of your life or were you never, even when you were totally gorgeous on the outside, were you never actually able to see it? No, I wasn't. And the first time was actually, I was 12 years old when I was told, I didn't know, pretty or we didn't it was Europe and it was a different world in Europe you have to be chubby to Zaftic. be Zaftic, that means pleasantly like, pleasantly like, plump but like wasn't that also the time period of like the European beautiful art paintings of yes. the romantics of yeah. juicy soft woman not like muscles and strength it was like being an hourglass. Oh yeah, but those were they that in Europe, if a girl was skinny, you couldn't give her away because people thought she has TB or she's sick. Mm -hmm. And if you were pleasantly plump, meant you come from a wealthy home, you eat. Right, because you, you had enough food to get to, you, healthy you know, looking, right? And the first time when I was 12, we didn't think about pretty or well, you know, uh, we lived in a DP camp. Which well, just a, let's give a little background, okay? Lulu, how old were you when the Holocaust began, when the Nazis invaded? Not even five. I was for two months shy of five. The little know. girl living on a farm, beautiful life, is completely ruined. Bombs literally dropping all around her. I talk about this in my memoir, Seconds and Inches. She's on a wagon. Her family escapes and ends up, tell us all the places you went. Well, we end up in, in almost 10 years after that, we end up in Siberia, in Middle Asia, in Germany, in 
all these different countries before we finally make it to the United States. But at NDP camp, which is displaced people camp, at 12, in those camps, Americans ran the camps. And American soldiers were handing out chocolate bars to the kids one day. And he and we were all in line. And we and he handed me a chocolate bar in without my turn. And another girl said to me, Oh, that's because you're so pretty. That's the first time I ever heard. We were only concerned about do we have enough to eat? Never right. mind. You didn't even know to. about looks at that point. No, nobody you know. And then I came to the United States, talk about being messed up. I had braids. I couldn't speak a word of You English. had rosy cheeks. I had I, without rouge. <laughs> you know? And what did the girls but, in America do to you? Well, they made me feel not welcome. They made me feel not included, poor. Not pretty. And, yeah, not pretty. The first thing I did is cut off my beautiful long braids. Why? Because they told me in America, girls don't wear braids. They wear, if, if all it started in high school. If you want to be American, you got to cut your hair. You want to be American, you got to smoke. All the things I wanted to be, to belong. And I think we spend our life mm. doing that. And I thought my whole, all these years in America, I belong because I worked hard. And that only I worked not for me, to make the, my children and grandchildren's life better than I had. Well, what's so interesting about that, Lulu, is because at 12 and 15, you don't have a family at that point. But you've just come from a place where the majority of people you knew were murdered and your home was taken away and you had been literally displaced for a decade. And then you come here and American girls tell you what is beautiful and that you're not it. And this is what you need to do to belong. And I know that, you know, the family you've created besides our beautiful family was the friends that you found along the way in America who also right. were displaced. And I think that the sense of needing to belong and to have some real roots and to be accepted must have been so overpowering that you were willing to do anything. And we all feel that, but just yours was at such a life and death level. But this idea of trying to belong and that we spend our lives trying to belong, that like hurts my heart to hear. Yes, yes, yes. It's very important, especially when you're a teenager and it doesn't get less important as you get older. You still wanna be accepted. You wanna be equal, not better, but equal. And you want to be stops. enough. It never stops. It never, ever stops. Uh, trying to live, to be a better person, to be better looking. I'm trying to get that mirror yet. I'm still looking for it. Can I, I have a question. You can, you, you can have it. I have a Thank question you. for you. So back to um, rating ourselves. 
what would you say currently you would rate your self-worth knowing that you're enough, knowing that you are an awesome human, that you've done a great job raising a family and that you're a good person? What would you rate your worth? Would I be bragging if I would tell you that I think a 10? No, that's, that's what I want you to understand, Lulu, is must love self isn't about bragging. It's about owning. And the fact that you're able to say, look, my body image is not good, but I, but at the other end, I know I'm an awesome human. So it's in acknowledging that you have areas to work on and areas that you're kicking ass in. So that's not called bragging. That's called owning it. Well, the reason I own it, <clears throat> when I think back where I started from age four, with no, and I came here with no language, no education. And where I ended up and brought my family with me, I have to give God number one and me working and feeling good about that. It's the only thing that I This is a woman for. who's worked her ass off. I mean, she so, was yes. not staying at home. You, they had a dry cleaning, no air conditioning, and they sweat and they worked and they worked and they, came, they literally came to this country with nothing. They, how old were you when you got married? 18. 18. She 18. had a baby, baby a year at later. 19, yes. At 19. And, and on top of it, I had sickly parents that didn't get were, along. That hated each other. <laughs> and so I had to be the mediator there too and take care of three children. And all the time, how did you find time to worry about your looks? <laughs> you know, I mean, but you did. I mean, I did. you're still a woman. And I have to acknowledge something. We love our Papa Harry so much, and he passed away, and it sucks, and we miss him. But something to acknowledge, you know, people when they pass away, they always talk about how they're amazing and they never did anything wrong. But I feel like from my memory that he never helped support you seeing yourself as beautiful. Oh, no, on the contrary. I know he loved me crazily because he wouldn't walk to the bathroom without me practically, but compliments never came out of his mouth. It was only like, you don't set the dishes right. You don't, I mean, he pointing out the not good things about me, just the bad things. And I would tell him, why can't you ever say something nice to me? He said, well, if I don't say anything means you did the right thing. Compliments, no, 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 no. But I still knew that he thinks I'm beautiful because when I got dressed up and he would give me that look and I knew he was thinking I'm beautiful, but heaven forbid he should say it. What I want to remind us both of with him is that you know, I have a husband that thinks I'm gorgeous, but it doesn't matter because if you don't see it in that mirror, whether someone says you're not or whether they say that you are, it, you won't believe it. And so I, I can't imagine what that struggle was like having a husband that didn't give you that validation. But I know that that was something that you always struggled with as it was with me. And, and before we get to our story of beauty, I want to um, finish with one more question about your where you rate yourself, what would you, oh, before we even get there, what has been your lowest point of your worth? If 10 is where you are today, what, at what time in your life was your worth of yourself your lowest? What time of my life? I think when I had the most responsibility 
Yeah, that must mean, well, I work full time in a sweatshop where one of my sons told me, it's like dying and going straight to hell working, <laughs> <laughs> working in a dry cleaning store. <laughs> and uh, fighting with financial things and my parents not getting along and tearing me apart. It was a very low time. But surprisingly, when finally we sold the business, my kids got married and were on their own. Both my parents regrettably passed away. And then all of a sudden I found myself with no responsibility, nothing to do. And that was a low time of my life. I can understand that because as a woman who, I mean, you are more than anyone I've ever met in my life, define yourself on your role as mm. a mother and a grandmother and a wife. And when that, all those responsibilities are removed from you, you're like, now what? And I think a lot of the listeners are either reaching that point in their life or are at that point in their life. And they're like, I, I determined and said who I was based on being a mother, being a wife, being all these things. And now what, like, who am I now? So exactly. that must've been a hard time for you because that's the lowest time, right? Because you didn't, ha because for you, you take pleasure in showing up and being of service. Like you actually feel joy in that. And what's sad to me is that you don't see in that mirror, what we see when we look at you, which is strength and beauty and like a goddess, like you are, and everyone who knows you sees those things, but you don't. Um, I have a quick question. What would you rate your voice, your ability not to use your voice to help someone else, but to use your voice to advocate for yourself? What would I rate it to talk to myself? No, the voice that like, if you need something, remember okay. in my book, when I talked about how, when I was in Nice and I, they gave me the wrong ice cream flavor and I spoke up for myself, I went back and I remembered, I, I don't want to be a girl who doesn't ask for what she deserves. So what would you rate your voice in terms of, are you willing and able to ask for what you deserve in life with your voice? No. I don't think so. Why? I have no idea. I always thought that you have to do for yourself and I didn't want to be pushy. I didn't want to be loud and actually behind the counter in the dry cleaning store. I learned more than ever that being pushy and obnoxious and demanding, I don't like it. I really don't like it till now. I don't like when people mistreat the weight help oh. in a restaurant. I don't like and. I would really, I, I don't know, do I have to give you a number? Yeah, sure, I'd love it. I don't, I, I don't want to use my voice to bully and coach and demand, no. So let's just talk about that for a second. I also am in customer service. I have been my entire life. Um, our family has been in customer service our whole life, whether it's the drugstore, the dry cleaning, restaurants. And I actually think it's a really important thing for children to be raised to see what a restaurant is like so you never treat the staff poorly, but I have to tell you that I see people that are pushy, demanding, and loud that are horrible examples of how I never want to be. And I, I don't like giving the squeaky wheel attention because I find that 
it just gives them more like ammunition to keep being a horrible person. But I want to just throw something out there. Using your voice does not mean being pushy, loud, and demanding. It just means confidently asking for what you're worth. It doesn't have to be seen as that. But I think our brains and society tells us as a woman, if we say, no, I'm sorry, that's not correct. I would like this. I ordered this and I want you to give me this. We're looked at as a bitch. We're looked at as like, who does she think she is? And that's something that I really want all of us to fight against. Because for me, that first time I did it in the ice cream shop, and for those who don't know my story, I was in the south of France. I had been studying feminism, and I read this poem that I always thought about Lulu and my mom called Girl by Jamaica Kincaid. If you haven't read it, it's fabulous. And it's basically this Black mother, grandmother, and daughter telling the girl how they want her to be out in the world. And they tell her very, very specifically in intense words how she shouldn't be a girl that wears this kind of outfit because that'll say something about her, how she shouldn't be a girl that like stays out with boys because they'll think something about her. But at the end, they tell her that they want her to be the girl who when we send you to the butcher, asks for the good meat. If she's given the meat that is not good, she goes back and asks for it. And I remember finding that to be so that connected to our family because while you don't do it for yourself, you showed me how to do it. You know, when we were at that hotel in New York City and you didn't like the room, you wheeled, you took, you went from room to room to room. You made the poor bellman take us to different rooms. You decided, I don't like any of these rooms. And not only are we leaving your hotel, sir, but we would like you to wheel our luggage down to the plaza. And you made him. And only you were able to do that because it was for us. I don't think you would have done it for yourself. No, I know. If it was yourself, you would have stayed. I, that, and I would tell myself, I'm not buying this hotel. That's right. okay. I, it's good enough for me, but my children, I got to show them something better. Right. And so you showed us that. And so what I'm trying to break in women today to hear is that it is not selfish. It is not pushy, loud, or demanding. If you do it with kindness and respect, but we use our voices to tell people what we need, because people can't know what we need if we don't tell them. And that's in your marriage, that's with your children, that's in the career, that's in society. And if you think I'm a bitch because I'm doing it, that's not my business. And that's something I need to work on. I know one area that you have a really hard time using your voice, and that's with your children, when you don't get to see them or you don't hear from them enough. And I know that I've learned from you by watching you not do it, that I need to use my voice with my kids because it's painful and I don't want them to not know. Like, I don't want to not tell them because I'm worried what they think about me. I want them to understand like, hey, I miss you. I don't, when I'm not with you, can we talk on the phone? What are your thoughts about that? Because I know you struggle with that. Well, I do. But in a way, Carly, I was raised differently, totally European race. My raising, upraising was, it's not becoming. Yes. It's not nice. For it a lady. Is- yeah, it's not becoming to do that. It's not, you know, you don't, uh, people won't, you know, people will speak badly about you. Yes, because we judge. It's right. not nice. It's not nice. You, and so all my life, I never spoke up for what I wanted because maybe it's not becoming. You're right. You said that people think you're a pushy, miserable Bitch. person. 
it, but I did it for my kids. Yes. For me. So that's why I always differentiate. You have a voice of advocacy at a 10 for us. Yes. For yourself, for one. Zero. 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 No, not even one. Even you, now. You would never say anything. Even now, I have never, ever sent any food back to a restaurant, even if I hated it. So this is what I do. I I was in the restaurant business for many years and I'm just really, really nice about it. And I say like, I'm so sorry to bother you, but this is not the way I ordered it. And I'm really, really, here's what I know because I've been in customer service just like you. If a customer came to you and said, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Gibbs, this is not the way I asked for it. Would you mind please redoing it? You would not be mad at her and you probably would not think she was a bitch. Oh, no, on the contrary, I'd say we tried to do it and we'll be happy to do it again. But would you respect that woman? Me? Would you respect her if she came to you kindly with kindness and respect and said, I'm so sorry to trouble you, but this is not how I ordered it. Would you mind please doing it again? Uh, It depends if she did it only once in a while, but she could become a A pest. Yeah. (laughs) if you go the often enough you know right but if there was a lady about it no i would do everything i can to please a customer so the women the women around you you were taught that women are not supposed to speak up that you're supposed to be not becoming of a lady to speak up to use your voice you're just supposed to look a certain way and act a certain way and make a family but what's interesting is your best friend mary at least what i knew of her she used her voice Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And I have one now. Yeah. Uses but she her uses her voice in a way that's un- unattractive. Yeah, or there's a different way, right? So you can use your voice and be rude and inconsiderate and a jerk. No mm-hmm. one's trying to do that. Or you can use your voice because you know your worth and that you are deserving of kindness and good treatment. And that's really where Muscle of Self is trying to get women to see that mirror of that. I want to take us to New York City because for me as a girl growing up, New York City was the most magical place ever. And I never saw the Empire State Building my whole life. (laughs) We went to New York City every single year, at least once a year on the girls trips, you, my mom and me, right? Tell us a little bit about what we did on those trips. Shop, shopping, shopping. From the morning to the night. I fell Wait, no, don't get there yet. I want to share that in a minute. Tell us what it was like. You took me at eight years old. Yes. And you were a little took up for yourself. You threw yourself. Guess where I learned it? (laughs) Because what did I want to wear? Everything beaded and loud. (laughs) And what am I making on my signs today? Get to go. All the sparkles. Yes, yes, yes. So you guys thought I was going through a phase. Carly will stop going through the sparkle phase because I wanted to wear like a black sequin dress to my brother's bar mitzvah. Uh, Yes, yes. And when we wouldn't buy it for you, you threw yourself on the sidewalk in New York and had a fit. And then you got me a silver sequin dress. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But what you taught me on those trips, which were some of the best memories of my whole life, we would stay at the finest hotel, the Plaza, We would eat at four-star, five-star restaurants. We would shop from the moment we woke up. You would order raspberries and whip, real whipped cream. Room service, service, hot, you know, beautiful bathtubs, a closet that was so big I could sleep in. And you show me the good life and that we deserved it. So we're living the life. What you taught me was how to shop, 
what looks attractive on you, what doesn't look attractive on you. But I didn't feel yucky about it. That was not part of my body stuff that was yucky. You actually showed me like, this is what you should dress like. This is how you should dress. And you taught me through your example, even though you didn't feel it for yourself, that this is what a strong woman does. And that you, if you want to get your way through the streets, you walk your way. You don't wait for people to let you in because in New York City, nobody lets you in. And so you (laughs) showed me how to walk, but you literally showed me, I followed you and you showed me how to keep up. I was eight years old. The first day we, after the first date, remember the bathtub? It had a ring of dirt around it, right? (laughs) And we had the best time of our lives there. But at the end of our trip, the last trip we went on, she fell down chasing me because I was running through the streets by then because you were older, broke her nose, went in an ambulance, blood everywhere. In New York. In New York City. Did she go home and lay down? No. What did you do? We went diamond shopping. She said she needed to get earrings to make the nose not be so distracting to everybody. (laughs) And she's always showing me on the outside, this beautiful, strong woman. And what makes me so sad when I first texted you to say, will you do this with me? You said you've never loved yourself. And that breaks my heart because you are so worthy of love. Oh, thank you. Well, that helps. You are so worthy of love. I want to move on and ask you a a few things that are, before we get to the lightning round, tell me what quotation you love that you want to share with everybody. Some what? Okay. I I had a 96-year-old aunt that you know, Aunt May, and just when she was quite old, she told me, go to your loved ones. Tell them you will love them. Tell them you care. Don't put it off. They won't always be there. I love that. that. And to top it, there was a topper to that. A while after that, she passed away. And at the funeral, I saw a notice, a grave marker. It said something that we women struggle with all our life. It said, then at last, Thin at last. I don't want to be thin at last. You know, and uh, that kind of spoke to me. I spent a lifetime not letting myself eat all I wanted. And and I worry about that for my children now. Because you guys, the new generation is a lot more conscious of looks. It's exhausting. I mean, you heard the interview with your daughter. It's exhausting i i don't want to keep passing on this hatred of ourselves and the missing out of this beautiful life we've been given right you know but uh, if that's the society you live in look at the tv everyone looks like a toothpick but we can we we can decide what we're going to watch and we can decide what mirrors we're going to look at and we can decide what we want to hear, because you know, all too well, life is short. And even when it's long, like yours is that time that you waste not using your voice and not loving yourself makes me so sad. I, well, don't be sad anymore. Cause finally, every morning when I get up, I tell myself, it's up to me to spend today miserable or make yourself as happy as you can. 
and I do that. And every minute when a dark thought comes and says, no, 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 you don't have that much left. You enjoy life, do something happy. And it's up to you. It's not that easy. Sometimes your mind is stronger than you want it to be. But uh, all these things you have to accept and try the best. And all my success was, was not my doing. It was for my children and grandchildren. And I'll tell you why, Carly. I had a miserable childhood. Yeah, you did. And my whole childhood, I promised myself, my kids will have it better. My kid, and that's what I based my life on. And thank God, with God's help, it worked. It's it's not just God. Yeah. Well, Can you admit that now? Yeah, I said, and yes. hard, hard work. Your sweat, hard work. Sweat, and sweat. you did use your voice to tell us with your foot stomping that you've passed on from you to my mom, to me, to Desi, that we must get together. We must oh. be a family. We must join hands. We must support each other. And our family, you know, we all have our issues, but it really does. It's a beautiful place. And can you I did that. Yeah. yeah. Can I say something about why I feel so strong about family? As you know, my first 14 years of life, I was in all different camps and made all kinds of friends and people and acquaintances. And we swore like we'll be friends forever and be alive forever. And the bottom has to me, it was family that was there for me always. And that's what I wanted for my kids. And living in the United States for a while there, my kids didn't live in the same town. And I was worried that that would keep them strange from each other. So laying in bed at night thinking, how do I fix that? It's family get together once a year. Family reunions. And family reunions. And it absolutely has been the, one of my most successful things in life because my family, even if they have differences, love each other and they depend on each other. They know they can always be there. I have something you have to put in your will if you haven't done so yet. It'll be your final use of your voice. You need to write in there addressed to your three children that under no circumstances are they to miss one year of family reunions. And that Jewish guilt will will make us get together for the rest of our lives. Oh, I I was going to appoint one of you. No, no, no. I want you to put it to them because nothing, you know that, you know that they will hear your voice and they will know that if they don't do it, they will feel horrible. So you can Absolutely. use your Jewish guilt for a good thing. I, I was planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quick question for you. So this is our lightning round. And normally I ask women, what would your 80 year old self say to you? But you're 87. So my question I'm going to ask you is, and I think that this is probably the person you respect the most in the whole world. What would your father say to you today if he understood that you still don't love your your body as it is and you're not willing to use your voice what would he say to you today okay this is a good question my father was a, i am what i am today because he was such a 
optimistic person and he saw only good in me and only happy things. He, and the other part that you're talking about it is regrettably, my mom was the most depressing, pessimistic person that built in that part of me. But without my father's saying to me, don't worry, your mother isn't always right. Cross the street, nobody will hit you. You know, I mean, like those are that. the two voices. Yes. Those are the two and, voices you hear. And my father's voice, because I loved him so, and he was right. Things usually turn out all right. And if you believe, oh, I'm a gambler. Yeah. And my, father, <laughs> and my father told me, if you sit down at a table, black chick, and you say to yourself, I'm going to lose 500 bucks and then I get up. He said, you're going to lose 500 bucks. But if you say to yourself, as soon as I win $500, I'm getting up. I love you. You that, yes. And because it's what, true, it's, right? It's, you might, yes, it's true. I have a question. Yeah. What does it mean to be beautiful? What does it mean? To, to me, beautiful is like if you're kind to people, if you have a pleasant face, a smiling face, not always like mm, blown up. Resting bitch face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And most important, treating people kindly and worry and worrying about them. Really me be loyal because not everybody is. What does it be a strong woman? In my case, it's be, take, be able to take care of yourself without having to worry about and bothering your children. <laughs> and that is my biggest problem. Now. What do you want others to say about you? She cared for people. I had, uh, uh, there was a German word for world pain, Schmelz, world pain. I practically suffered from that. I worry and feel sorry for everybody. That's called an, in spiritual worlds, it's called an empath. Yeah. You have, you, you feel so much intensely. Like when I tell you about my friend who's struggling, you feel it's, it's, it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, he, he comes first in my life now. And that is what I want people to say. Not that I was a good baker and made good cookies. That's not it, that I cared about people and I did everything I could. And you guys know that I cook for people, I bake for people. I did everything I could to make other people's life better. I promise you that, that they're going to say that. Two last yes. questions. If you found out that December 31st, 2021 was your last day on earth, what would you do the rest of the year? Oh, spend every day. You know what I'm going to answer. Spend every day, every morning, making you all get together <laughs> and going out and being together every minute that you guys could spend. That would be the best way for me to spend my last year. I love it. Last words. <laughs> you get one piece of advice for every woman that's listening to hear. What do you want to tell them? It is... In the end, it works out if you care for other people and take care of your family and your life, your home. And if you're kind to the other people, 
it, it, that's the best thing that can be for you. That you, you, I mean, you don't want people to say, not that it's, well, she was such a bitch, she was so mean. No, I'd rather people say she was so kind, she worried about everybody. She wanted to help everyone she could. That's all that matters. What do you think it would take for you to get to a place where you had that mirror that your friend had? <laughs> At 87? Yeah. A matter of fact, I'm beginning to think that I look pretty decent for 87. How is that? Because I, I want you, so I'm going to give you a challenge. Every single time I go in the bathroom, and I know your bathroom is covered in mirrors, I want you to smile and be like, Louise, you look amazing. You don't have to believe it. I just want you to start feeding that dog. It's like, you want to hear your father's voice or you want to hear your mother's voice? Yes. So I want you to say, you are fabulous. You are amazing. Look at you. You've got this. I want you to act like it and pretend. You're good at pretending. We know that. So do that with yourself. Carly, let me tell you, there are days I walk by the mirror and say, who the hell is that old woman <laughs> living in my house? <laughs> Sometimes I see my mom and I'm like, what's my mom doing here? I'm like, oh my God, that's me. <laughs> yeah, but know. it's time, Lulu. I don't want you. I want you to work as much as you love us. I want you to find that within yourself because you are incredible. Thank you. And that's what keeps it going now. At my age, looking so good. You do. How is that? How is that? You know my saying, I used to be conceited, but now I'm perfect. <laughs> I love you so much. That's Thank my, you, you for know, being here. That's my quote. That's my quote of the day. I love you. I love you more. Oh, it's a tie. Remember? Adil? Yes, it's a tie. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate, review, and share with your lady friends. If you're ready to do the work it's going to take, to love yourself as you are, your body, your worth, and your voice, please reach out to me at carlyisrael.com and we can connect. I offer one-on-one -on -one private coaching virtually as well as small intimate groups. It's going to take a ton of work and a lot of commitment on your part, but I promise to be in your corner. I hope you have an amazing day and I hope you spread the light you feel with others so they can feel it too. La, 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 La 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 la